There's a fly in my room. Oh, yeah. Did you close the window? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Grace River Told. I just realized last night that um, my window has been open an inch and a half for an entire <laughs> month of me living in this apartment. And I kept wondering why. I was like, my AC doesn't work. Or like, why are there mosquitoes in here? And then I realized there's another way to open the window. And it had been fully open. Um, and though there's a fly in my room. Anyways, also, I have a little bit of a sore throat. It sounds cute. Okay, can you hear it a little bit? Only when you said sore throat, I could hear it. Um, um, that's nice. Hi, everyone. I guess we already said hi, everyone. Yeah. But hi again. Welcome to the greatest story ever told. Um, Peyton closed his window after a month of letting flies in. And now we're ready to discuss the book of Esther. Yeah. Um, which I loved yeah, like Esther so much so cool so Esther is really cool I was excited to read Esther because I remember the story pretty well from being a kid and I remember mm -hmm. thinking it was cool um and thinking I think the one of the main reasons I thought it was cool is just because it, it's a story mainly about a woman and like you don't get those often obviously in the bible right um and before reading it this week I was like I'm I don't know. I was kind of scared that it wasn't going to live up to my memory, mm -hmm. but I have to say it's beyond. Yeah. Really it's beyond. so, it's so good. Esther is a book of like, this is like exactly the kind of story I think about when I think about the Bible. Like I, I didn't know the story of Esther at all, but I, I had this idea in my mind of what stories in the Bible are like. And I, and they're like full of sort of poetic justice you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and like turns, I think what I always thought about a Bible story is like, it's all these, these turns where a person like realizes that they're in a different situation than they thought, you know what I mean? Like this biblical irony. And I yes. think, I, I think this is a story that actually articulates that. Whereas like before I just kind of had this like weird, vague fantasy of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. This fulfills a lot of those sort of desires or like yes. expectations kind of in in a mere five pages too it's a five page long book wait it is isn't it I thought it was 15 is it five? Oh, okay it's in my bible it's seven. Oh, yeah it's seven pages that's so funny so, because, like close enough yeah mine is seven as well I, it's funny because I was like Esther's long but I was like in my mind it was longer than Nehemiah because wasn't Nehemiah five pages but maybe it wasn't anyway Esther is short Esther is like yeah exactly that that's another element of it too because like first Samuel I would say is another example of like a very bible story to me where it's like these these like sort of archetypal roles that are being like switched and people are like moving power but that book is so long and there's so many characters you know and this is like so short you have the players like you have the king so with esther you start you have the king ah uh, uh, how how did you say that when you were okay this it? is really this is interesting so i don't know because uh, the way i was saying it, uh when i was reading it was ahasuerus but, me too like but, a dinosaur okay. so remember like a last episode or the one before i was like oh there's artaxerxes and xerxes so yeah. in the translation I grew up reading, this king's name is Xerxes. 
Interesting. So yeah, I because I went, I did that thing that I do. Yeah. Where sometimes I'll go read a passage or two in the the Noon International version when I'm a bit confused, and I was like, oh, they're calling him Xerxes, and that's huh. why. Okay. I said that the other week. So I don't know. This name is the Ahasuerus name is very new to me. It's a cool name, but I don't. I kind of like Xerxes better, but it doesn't matter. Um. Yeah. So there's this king. Ahasuerus it's hard and to there, say it is Ahasuerus is w- hard for me to say and um it keeps I keep wanting to say it like a dinosaur like Ahasuerus I know I mean we can it's fine it's fine Ahasuerus. I just say that we don't know how to say it right anyway so it's fine yeah. but the palace of it's I thought this is interesting that it's then the palace of Shushan which is the same palace as the Nehemiah story so I I think this is the, it's telling us this is like after Nehemiah because mm-hmm. that was Artaxerxes, like you're saying. And so this would be um, a later king, but it's in the same palace. So we're what still is, in like the Babylonian empire. Is Arta like some type of prefix? Does that mean Probably. Anyways, um, um, But I, it's something that's interesting too, right in verse one is it says that Ahasuerus reigned from India even unto Ethiopia. So he has like, some massive kingdom or power over like a really giant amount of land or just people maybe it's not like a full passage of land but yeah I think it's spread out the empire the Babylon the Babylonian empire has gotten either is either larger or is out of at a place where it's like very large now and he's like got a lot of territory and And India I mean Ethiopia has been mentioned but maybe India is only the second contemporary country that has been mentioned in the bible so far right well there's like syria yeah you're right but there's not very many it's like syria ethiopia and now india is here i don't know if there's any more well i mean i guess like jerusalem but that's a city anyways yeah so Um, ahasuerus is the king yes and basically okay it's like a perfect story. This perf- this story is okay. so perfect. It's like, I'm nervous even to get into it. So it starts no, by the king is throwing a party. A party. Which is like he... the best way to ever start a story is the king is throwing a party. He's like throwing this party to like show off basically that he's rich and amazing. And there's a verse about the decor of the party. And Oh, obsessed. Beautiful. One, so it's one six. One six says where were white, green, and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings and pillars of marble. The beds were of gold and silver upon a pavement of red and blue and white and black marble. Wait, and then the next that's verse. So cool. Yes, that is gorgeous. I was like, I want to make a painting of this. No, me too. I was, that's exactly what I was thinking. And in the next verse, it says, and they gave them drink in vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another and the royal wine in abundance, according to the state of the king. So the king is so rich, but I also just love, um, it's mismatched gold cups and like chalices and stuff, which I think is like so decadent and also just adds to the decor. Like all of the gold cups and stuff that people are drinking are like mismatched and like, it's kind of this like sloppy decadent. Yeah, like, well, and just all the like this shit hanging around. Yes. Like, hanging from the ceiling, like all these colors going on. It feels very like 
psychedelic and kind of like I don't it's know, very like, sexy yeah a little burning man oh no, yeah what? I could see no but I know it's but I could going see there but I was seeing Austin Powers okay that's better more Austin I was seeing Powers, Austin Powers but it could a go a little bit directions. a little bit like it's like festival but like rich it sounds amazing yes it sounds amazing and so but then after a second I was kind of like okay this is actually kind of scary because it's like he's throwing this big party it's supposed to last seven days and he's commanded the officers that they should do according to every man's pleasure and I was just kind of like okay this is starting to sound like a little bit like the purge and getting to like seven days it's like you know those people are going to be doing some fucked up stuff which brings us to what happens which is which first of all, I thought this was so sweet. Vashti is the queen, mm-hmm. his wife. And she made a feast for women, like a separate party. And the women have at the palace have their own little feast and party. And of course, like on the seventh day drunk, the king is like, and imagine how like stinky and sloppy a person, like all of these people are on the seventh day of this party. Like Disgusting. the wall hangings are filthy. The marble is covered in like vomit, I'm sure. Yeah. There's like cigarette butts everywhere. Cigarette butts everywhere. Like everywhere and just like people having sex everywhere i'm sure it's just like just like sleeping like crazy and truly insane yeah and so vashti is like minding her own fucking business throwing a party for the women and then um the king is like oh to like some of the chamberlains which i'm guessing are just like some people who work for him he's like go get vashti go get vashti and make her come show off her beauty to like all the people at this party like as he's like sloppy slurring his words and so the chamberlain goes and he's like vashti the king's calling for you you have to come show off your beauty at the party and she's like no and she refuses and he becomes wroth and anger burns in him of course and um everyone's so mad like the king is so mad all the people are so mad all the lawmen are kind of like start freaking the fuck out and then and then it get, it takes this like dark turn. So this lawman called Mimu, Mimukon, Mimukon is like, she hasn't only done wrong to the king, but she has done wrong to everyone because all women will hear about it and they'll get ideas. Yeah, he, he's like, she is teaching like the women of the kingdom a, a bad lesson that they're going to like, they're going to disrespect their husbands because yeah. of what she did. But I, I was also imagining all of these like conversations and decisions being made while they're still drunk. So, yeah. so when the con's like, he's like, fuck Vashti. Like, so yeah. she's like, he, he's just like, she's like gonna ruin everyone's fucking marriage. And then yeah. and they're all like, yeah, what the fuck? You know, like when someone says something when you're drunk and then everyone like, agrees a little too hard it felt like that kind of thing yes I mean um, absolutely yeah. and they're like they are starting to freak out and then like it's exactly what you're saying they're like oh my god like everyone's like it's escalating so fast so fast so fast and they're like okay we have to do something about this what are we gonna do what are we gonna do and so then they're like we'll take away her estate and we'll give it to someone better than her yeah. let's make it and then they're like let's make it official let's make it a royal decree and everyone's like yeah like they're so drunk and they're like writing this royal decree like probably chicken scratch drunk just like writing on this paper and they they like write it out and they're like yeah and then they're like celebrating themselves and they're like yeah king ara ahasuerus they're like now all the wives will hear about this decree and then they will give their husbands honor and i was just like 
that is so gross yeah, like it's disgusting they're gonna hear about it and then they'll know they have to give their husband's honor or else like bad stuff will happen to them and then the king like drunk as hell approves of it yeah it's like then, it's drunk frat boys that's like it's so really what yeah. it is. it's it's so scary but the the writing is so good it really like is painting this yes picture like i can like smell them yes and it's um, also like you know what it reminds me of too it's like in the social network when mark zuckerberg invents facebook yeah like well it's because he's like he's like drunk oh, and like oh yeah off. and everyone's like oh my god you're so fucking smart and it's like no you actually just did something really disgusting that is so disrespectful fueled by like rage yeah fueled women. by you being like a stupid ugly piece of shit that can't get a girlfriend <laughs> being drunk and it's like Ahasuerus is like my wife won't show me her boobs yeah he, he, she like, won't come to the party and show her titties to my friend yeah it's like <gasps> that's actually really truly what it is yeah and so um oh and then I love that oh I also was wondering this is just a side note but like do you think um I mean this is like a super side note but like I was wondering what would happen if we like what do you do you think we're like getting older as we record each week like I just had this as I was reading this I was like oh it's been like a long time like it's been like 15 weeks of us reading the Bible and, and recording this. And I wonder if we're like changing in a measurable way that if we, you and I went back and listened to Genesis, we'd be like, oh my God. We're like young. Yeah. Oh my God, that's scary. I think that's <laughs> kind of true. I know that I do think that's happening. And also I recently was thinking about like where I was physically and like mentally, emotionally, spiritually when we recorded Genesis. And I was like, things are really different now. Yeah. And like, good and bad and neutral ways yeah. it's like different yeah I feel like I was like totally alone when I was when we were doing Genesis like you know like alone in my life like always like I feel like I was always at home it was still kind of like cold and like it was like March. there was this freedom in like just being kind of alone or something yeah I was like, like wild I feel like my imagination was so wild I know no that's actually yeah that's so true like there's so much more that's occupying my mind now because of the way the world has changed <laughs> and know. also because I live somewhere else but um I'm sure I were like young like hopeful sexy people in the first episode actually no we were also like really and now depressed. we're like haggard bibles like freaks yeah that's an um, interesting thought though yeah but okay so side note complete chapter yeah. two I love the beginning because it's literally like after these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Okay, he woke up and like wasn't drunk anymore. Yeah. Like he was, he's like hungover. Like, came to in the morning and was like, <laughs> "Oh fuck, what happened?" And then he's like, like probably kind of browned out and was like, Wait, "Totally." Remembering I this, remember. like fucking yeah. Vashti. Yeah, he's like, "That's I what happened last night." It's, it's yeah. like two thirty p.m. He's just waking up. Yeah, there's like a pizza box next to his bed um yes okay so yeah he like comes to and realize what happened and then he has his servants bring virgins to him okay I partially thought when he was sobered up and realized what happened he was gonna be like um you guys know like but no he sobers up and then he's like approve he's like I'm happy with what came of this and then yeah he sends out servants to go gather up the fairest virgins from everywhere like in the whole territory which as we said in the beginning is very large at this point yeah and one of them is essentially gonna like meant to replace yeah Ashti. 
she'll the be the one. new queen and she'll yeah. have everything that Vashti had and Vashti will have nothing. Yeah. Um, so they like kick, they don't even really like mention Vashti anymore. I think they just kick her out. I wonder if they even killed her. Like I, I kind know. of imagined them just like giving her a room in the palace kind of far away and being like, just like do your thing, which yeah. I mean, maybe isn't the like, case, but it honestly sounds like amazing. That sounds like a better deal to me, but uh, um, I bet they killed her actually. <laughs> so, that's sad. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't. She sounds so hot. She sounds like she was really hot, but She's she good. wouldn't. She wouldn't give it up for the party. No. Okay, the virgins uh, at, are at this coming. Point too, well, at this point too, I just wanted to say, I the virgins are coming, and I I had this fear again of like, is this going to be another story that's about respecting your husband or something like i started kind of like i had a sudden fear yes that it was going to be like ruth that it was going to be kind of like um a republican kind of story that's yeah. about like and and i just got really nervous and at that point i said wait i wrote is this lesson is the lesson going to be be good to your husband like i hope esther is evil because we haven't yet met esther no so at that point at this point i was hoping esther was going to be very evil interesting because I mean because I knew this story so I didn't have that fear but I yeah. can completely understand why you would yeah based off of everything because it's all right. yeah it's all so far like the men are just like making these like really misogynistic decisions like at, at on large scales and so I'm like oh is this just going to be like fine throughout the course of this book I mean it doesn't end up being what the book is about but anyway whatever so then in ch- in chapter two verse five, a new character is introduced. So they're kind of lay, like laying out the land. The other players of the story are coming into mm-hmm. view. And so they're gathering up all these virgins. And then meanwhile, there's another character that's living around the palace in the city around the palace named Mordecai. And he's a Jew. And he um, brought up Esther. So he's Esther's uncle. Yeah. And, and he, parents- he was like sort of a refugee or of sorts from when Nebuchadnezzar was king and had like everyone taken out of Jerusalem. And so he's been, I guess, living in Shushan. Yeah. And all of the Jews in this story, it's, this is still, the Jews are still in basically living in the sort of captivity they were living in, in Ezra and Nehemiah, where they're in Babylon. They're like, not exiled or anything they just live there and it seems like the government gives them the shit end of the deal whenever they can you know like it they're not treated fairly but um like they still live there whatever that's like basically what you were just saying yeah (laughs) anyways so (laughs) esther is (laughs) esther is mordecai's niece and he has brought her up because she didn't have a mother or father which like i think we can safely assume maybe were killed in the time of Nebuchadnezzar or like I guess maybe she's so young I don't know we don't really know for sure but she doesn't have a mom or dad but she has Mordecai she has Mordecai and he's really cool and so they basically have this plan Mordecai is like oh Esther you are fair and beautiful you're a virgin why don't you go and see if you can become the queen but don't tell them that you're a Jew and don't tell them that you know me well we won't act that we know each other but Mordecai like at first that kind of seems like slimy at first I was like ooh, like but Mordecai is a really good person and is like I'm going to come check on you every day like he comes and checks on her to see that she's okay and like it's I think it's it's more a strat it's more a strategy for her yeah I think he's doing it in her best interest I think he's like you should do this because it could potentially be really 
good for you and like something really good could come out of it I don't think he was I mean once you read the whole story you're like okay he didn't have like any yeah motives behind this but at first you're kind of like okay what kind of caretaker is gonna like bring that like here's my virgin niece you know yeah but he um so he brings her to there's the keeper of women which is so creepy the virgins all live in this big house together and um the keeper of women is called Haggai Haggai yeah I don't know I think it's hey guy and it's so it's really weird they're they're describing the process of this um the king is going to choose from all the virgins who's going to be the queen and so all the virgins live in this house and they have to be purified for a whole year before they can meet the king and they're purified for six months with myrrh and for six months with sweet smells like quote-unquote sweet smells and it kind of reminded me of the bachelor or something where oh and then the other thing was this really is bachelor it's totally the bachelor so it's like they're purified for a whole year in this virgin house and so that also like i'm sure they're going crazy in there because they're only hanging out with like each other just like a and bunch they're of all women. like competing for the same man for the, this, this is man the so yeah so of course they all probably think they like love this man and then the other thing that was the most like the bachelor that almost like i was like whoa is this what the bachelor was based on it was like they could bring anything from the house they wanted to to impress him when they first met him so it's like they could choose what they were going to wear and they could bring any like props or anything like that which weirdly is something that they do on the bachelor when they come in the limos like some of them wear like costumes yeah or like like bring bring weird props to like be memorable or something and so the, the women are allowed to do that for the first time that they meet the king and then if the king likes them he meets them and likes them he sends them to the next house which is the house of the concubines and then they live in another house with women that basically it means he's already it's so basically it means he's already had sex with them but now they're his if he wants to keep them as concubines he can keep them and like call call them whenever he wants them like call for them and so yeah oh and it was like very specific it was like they go in the evening so when a virgin is going to meet the king she takes whatever props she's picked out like her costume and then she goes to the palace for the fantasy suite and then they the next day the next morning she goes to the concubine house yeah and it says that like esther when she went to the king didn't really like take anything it just says she required nothing but what Haggai the king's chamberlain appointed so yeah it seems like she kept it pretty simple which I think maybe also impressed the king yeah but I think that's also part of the whole well I also wanted to point out like the obvious like as we all know the obvious difference between this and the bachelor is that the virgins in the bible were not um willing contestants in this game and like you know I just think I'm like I was like the fantasy suite it's like these people were like probably taken from their homes and like gathered yeah. up and put in this I mean house. it's definitely not it's not like the bachelor in no, that way but generally disgusting but in some way my imagination forces me to like reframe it as like it's Tinsley at the bachelor mansion yeah. you know and um so but yeah I also think that it plays into this annoying ass trope though too where it's like and Esther didn't she didn't bring anything with her she didn't need to like the thing of like the woman in the movie who's like so it's always like, 
like the girl who doesn't wear any makeup girl yeah yes like yeah it's like the girl who just doesn't try too hard and she's yeah sure it's like yeah it's so like annoying like it's like people want to look hot okay or or just like this idea that's like so i think damaging to like the culture of, of beauty that we live in that's like well you can do anything you want but the true hotness and beauty is when like you're still hot with nothing on like with no you know when you're still hot with like no additions with no extra whatever and it's like it's just like the extra prison of like you know what I'm saying no I know exactly what you mean like when the girl in the movie is like and then they took off all the stuff she put on like her makeup and her like hair stuff and like whatever she did and then you found out she's even more beautiful than before and it's like it's like shut up I know or like all those songs that are like she doesn't even know she's beautiful like she doesn't wear makeup I don't know it's just like whatever okay we should keep rolling okay okay so the king loves Esther above all the women and then there's a feast he has a feast I guess sort of to celebrate that and then there's some like murder plot Okay, this is important. So yes. basically nobody, Esther is the queen, basically. Yeah. She's effectively been made queen and she's gonna, it's all great. And no, no one still knows that she's Jewish and no one still knows that she knows Mordecai at all. Yes. And Mordecai hears of, he's down by like the palace gates and he hears these two men. I think their names are Bigtha and Teresh. Big Thin and Teresh. <laughs> Big, Thin, Big Thin and Teresh are making up a plan to uh, assassinate the king. And Mordecai hears about it. And he secretly tells Esther about this plan. And Esther tells the guards, like the royal guards, that she knows about this. And they put a stop to it. And the, the two men are caught trying to do this assassination. And they are hanged. And basically, the king never even hears about it. Like it's all just kind of settled behind the scenes because Mordecai, I think, was just trying to do the right thing. But then doesn't Esther sort of, she gives Mordecai the credit? Not yet. Oh, is that later? This, so she doesn't. Because it says, and Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. I thought that meant like. Well, that's interesting because later it seems like, I thought there was this like this really interesting moment later but so maybe I kind of felt like he didn't know yet that it was Mordecai but it, it does end up being in like the chronicles like in the king's register of like what's going on around the palace or maybe he did know it was Mordecai it doesn't matter he may or may not have there's like some interesting stuff that happens later but somebody knew that it was Mordecai I don't know if it was like an official or something like that or if it was the king but somebody knows somebody basically. knows and so at the same time there's a new prince on the scene. He's like hanging around the castle. It's Haman. Mm-hmm. I and said Haman, he, but... Haman. I was trying to cl- quickly click something to see if it's Haman or Haman because it's important like in the story because in at Purim, that's what they're celebrating, him dying, his death. But why does the pronunciation matter? I don't know. Like if we're talking about somebody that's like re- relevant. Oh. I don't know. Okay, it doesn't matter. Um, okay, so we're unsure <laughs> if it's pronounced Haman or Haman. Let's just say Haman. Yeah, we'll just so cut out that whole part. Haman is a new prince. 
And um, everyone's like bowing to him. Everyone's obsessed. But basically, I guess Mordecai won't bow to him. Am I jumping ahead? Mordecai won't bow to him. And Mordecai won't bow to him because Haman is like an anti-Semitic prince. Like he basically, one of his like political things is like he doesn't think the Jews should be there and he wants to banish them and get rid of them. And he's always like, he's just like our basically anti-Semite. And so he... Mordecai won't bow to him because he doesn't respect him and Haman is mad and he's like all egotistical and he wants to destroy the Jews in the territory. Um, And so because, but because Mordecai, he's like, Haman has always been like this and because Mordecai won't bow to him, it kind of like pushes him over the edge. He's like very pissed off now. Haman is like pissed off. Like the fact that Mordecai won't bow, like it reminds me of some like sibling shit where like there's just like one thing your sibling does that like truly makes you so goddamn pissed off yeah know exactly what it is and they know exactly the time to do it um and that's Mordecai not bowing is like that kind of thing um and yeah and then Haman like devises this whole plan to like literally kill all the Jews in the whole province I guess or the whole empire and then convinces the king to like make it a decree and they yeah, send and like they send like letters out to all the provinces to destroy, to kill, and to cause perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women. I know it's like sick and it's uh, really and, crazy. And they send out this proclamation, which like also like the king is like, does the king just do whatever the fuck anyone says to to do? Like they're like, oh, we'll get, we're gonna get rid of Vashti, we're gonna do all this stuff. He's always like, okay, okay, okay. And then Haman's like, we're gonna kill the Jews in the territory. He's like, okay. And then I mean he's probably just fucking drunk again. Yeah, he's like the not end very of good king, but the end of chapter three is so funny. So it says, this is the final verse. It says the posts went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city Shushan was perplexed. I know. And they're I all like, they're too. like, what the fuck is happening? Like. I mean, we're yeah. perplexed too. They're probably thinking the same thing. They're like, why is yeah. he listening to all, all these people giving him these insane ideas? Yeah, the city is perplexed by this. But at, all the same, they're very upset, especially, of course, the Jews. And in chapter four starts with Mordecai. He's so upset. He puts on a sackcloth and he's like crying in the street. And there's there's great mourning everywhere. That's what it's saying. And all of the Jews are wearing sackcloth. And um they're like burning things and they're like wa- they're like walking around in ashes and it's just like a very sad sight and esther doesn't i think esther doesn't know about this proclamation exactly because she finds out that mordecai is naked and like crying but she doesn't know why yeah and so she sends a messenger to him and then there's this like really cool you know back and forth with the messenger thing so a messenger goes to mordecai and mordecai explains what's happened he's like sends the message back and asks esther to beg the king to save the Jews. And she is like, sends a messenger back and says, I can't go to him because he hasn't called to me. And if a concubine goes to him that he hasn't called, she's like killed mm-hmm. or whatever. And so he's like, well, the one he sends back is really cool. He's like, well, I think you should consider doing it. And he, basically more or less he's saying, you might be meant to save the Jews. Like it, you might need to rise to the occasion and like risk something because you might be meant to save the Jews. And she, and 416, I think is a really amazing little like verse because Esther gets his message and she understands and she says, okay, 
Oh, okay. Well, I, I also think what Mordecai says to her through the messenger is really sweet. He says, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Like, I let, he's being kind of mystical. He's like, who knows if this isn't why you came here and why you're in the exact place that you're in. And she's like, Mordecai, you're so smart. She, and then she bade the messengers return to Mordecai with this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. That's really beautiful. It's beautiful. Esther is like so it's strong. It's very like mystical. It's very otherworldly in a way or like mm -hmm. it's giving me like a little Star Wars yes. or something like that. It's it's like the like grand or like you know, the like grand quest or like yeah. it's the like epic quest and it's like you might not survive at the end I mean it's like very like this just this whole story is very archetypal in that way yeah it's amazing um, she's like I will go and if I die I die yeah. like that's like the height of the hero it's like right the, I know like I might the die phoenix girl in x-men oh I love it and also actually wait that is what it is because that's also a girl anyways <laughs> so cool she's like so badass she's and hot because the next thing we know she's, oh yeah she walks she basically like goes out and starts like flaunting like looking really sexy and leaning against a wall after the three days of fasting she's like sexy leaning against the wall and the king sees her and he's like ooh. and she's and in he, her royal apparel so she's like she is done the fuck up yes she's giving and, queen amidala yeah <laughs> and he holds out the golden scepter toward her which means like i'm calling you which is like weirdly gross but also like hot yeah it's cool and he holds up the golden scepter so that means she can't she's allowed to go over there and he's like what do you want and she's like i want you and Haman to come to a banquet i've prepared and well she also what, she goes over to him and touches the top of the scepter it's like yeah very horny very horny and so she um, invites them to a banquet. They come over for a banquet. There's not a lot said about the banquet itself. No, and it's weird that she's just like, I want to have a banquet. And he's like, perfect. Yeah. I mean, he, like, once again, just kind of like doing whatever someone else is yeah. telling him to do. And he and Haman like just go. And then again, he sees Mordecai and Mordecai doesn't bow to him. And he's like even more pissed off again after the banquet. This is like while he's leaving the banquet. Yes. And at the banquet, what they ask for, it's really weird. Esther's plan is kind of weird because basically she has the banquet in order to, at the banquet, ask for another banquet the next day with Haman and the Yeah, king. this is like the one- That's like, the one hitch. Flaw in the, the plan slash story is, I think she could have just done this all in the first banquet, but you know, it is sort of like building up. Yeah. The climax, and a lot of adding it, suspense. Yeah. Well, you need the the thing is it's like you need the extra night for what for what happens in the night, but like yeah. the storytelling is kind of like uh, like this is a little bit of a stretch. But this like, is like okay, it's like when you watch the movie and then afterwards you're like that was so great and almost perfect, and then you're like wait there is that one thing that kind of didn't add up. This is like the one thing yeah in this narrative that is a little clunky, but yeah. also at the um so at the their feast or whatever also it's funny that it's just like the three of them so it's kind of like awkward i know um, so at the feast well yeah so Haman sees mordecai and is like super super pissed 
and um and then he this he was like we need to build a gallows to basically hang I mean I think it's maybe to hang other people too but no 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 it says that Mordecai be hanged thereon. He's like, we need to build a gallows specifically to hang Mordecai. And they say it's yeah. 50 cubits high, which like, I don't know what a cubit is. Again, I still haven't figured it out, but in my mind, it's 50 feet high. So it's like this yeah. crazy, like insane cartoon and theatrical like gallows. And, yeah. and that, that also was a detail that was like, whoa, this is so cool. Yeah, it's like, this that's like crazy, some crazy huge... villain shit. Yeah, it's he like a huge gallows. And then that night, and and Haman goes home to his house and his wife is named Zeresh. And I also think it's really funny because when Haman goes home that night, Zeresh is like, okay, maybe you're going to lose to the Jews. It, it, like the wife has this like realization where she's kind of like, oh, no, no, no. I don't. It's not yet. That doesn't happen yet. Oh, actually. okay, okay. So okay. it happens later. So like Haman goes home to his wife, Zeresh, whatever. They like hang out. I don't know what they do. And then, but the king is at home and the king can't sleep in chapter six. The king couldn't sleep that night. So he has like his servants come and read him the King's Chronicles, which I imagine are like kind of like a ship's log for a palace or something like read me about like what's going on in the kingdom and the palace, whatever. And they're reading this log and he hears about the assassination plot that was prevented. And he's like, wait, what honor did this man get who prevented this assassination? And the servants are like, nothing. We didn't do anything for him. And he's like, you didn't? Who, who was it? And they're like, for Mordecai, like we didn't do anything for him. And the king says, oh, well, we have to do something to honor him. And so the next time he sees Haman, he's like, the next day, he's like, hey, what should I do to honor somebody who's done something like so, who's just done so much for the kingdom? And Haman's like, oh yeah, this is my big, like, it's like so stupid. He's like, all right. Like he knows he's, he thinks the king is talking about him, like honoring Haman. And so Haman's like, here's what you should do. <laughs> he's like, get all your clothes and jewels and make sure the most noble prince you can think of brings it to the man who is, who you want to honor. And then you parade the man who you want to honor around the town. And he's like, well, that's a wonderful idea. In that case, like you need to bring all of my clothes and jewels to Mordecai the Jew and let him parade around the town. And Haman's like, oh my God. Like it's so like, crazy. Yeah. Like the, the ironic humor in this story is like, this is genie. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like Looney Tunes level. It, no, it truly, it's like uh -huh. Emperor's New Groove. Yes. It's, insane whoever yeah. wrote this literally created a model that has been used over and over and over it's still like incredibly relevant today we need and it like is, humans are addicted is, to this no addicted and this <laughs> maybe is the original or like maybe someone else back then wrote something and this is a bit of a copy but it doesn't matter it's genius I can't it believe like this matter. kind of story is in the bible I know it's so good he's like and then he has to like parade Mordecai around. And then he, then he goes home and his wife Zeresh is like, what happened today? And Haman's like, I had to parade Mordecai around. Like he's my enemy. And then that's when she's like, you know what? Like you might not be the one who comes out of this, like on top. Like, I think she starts to sense like probably the Jewish God is taking care of this, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. And then the King gives Esther. Oh no, no, no. Sorry. No, then they have, oh, then God. there's yes. the, the, the next they have the second banquet with Esther and Haman and the king is like 
Esther, what is thy petition? What do you, what is it that you want granted unto thee? And he was like, it, it basically will be like given to you. You're going to get what you ask for. And then she's like, there's a person who is trying to cause harm to me. And he, she makes the, a beautiful speech. Yeah. She makes this really great speech. She says, if I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are, we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. And then the king is like, okay, who the fuck is trying to hurt you? Like, I'm going to like get him. And Esther's like, it's Haman. The adversary Ooh. and enemy is this wicked Haman. Like, that's what she says. Yeah, it's it's so, so cool. The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. And then Haman is afraid before the king and the queen. Okay. And then, so then, yeah, now the king is like pissed. And then there's one weird thing in, in verse eight. It says, that, and then the king returned of the palace garden and into the place of the banquet of wine. And Haman was fallen upon the bed where on Esther was. What do you think that means? Was Haman like trying to like, Maybe like at the last second trying to like get with her? I don't know. Yeah, like, he was like, okay, I'm gonna be like fucked over. Like, let's try and have sex one more time, and it will be Esther. I think what happened is so it says the king like stands up. The king when this happens, the king is like, oh my god, and he's so mad, and he walks out into the garden. He's super pissed off, and Haman gets really scared, and then he. Um, stands up to make a request for his life to Esther the queen he's like please help me he doesn't really like know what's going on he just uh -uh. sees that the king is so mad. he's like please help me and I think maybe he just like approached her where she was and when the king came back in it like looked like maybe he was trying to get with her and the king's like oh what now you're gonna try to like hook up with Esther too yeah like he's like you're fucked he's man. just like he's like fuck 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 like I'm gonna die like I gotta go crazy and then this chapter ends with like the I mean, another insane, amazing twist. They hang Haman on the gallows that Haman had built to hang Mordecai. Oh, so Haman gets hung on the gallows he built. It's perfect. It's perfect. And then it's, it's perfect. Like everything gets tied up. You have to like, as humans, we are addicted to this. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. stories getting tied up like this. Okay. And so then the king then goes on to give Esther Haman's house and he gives Mordecai a ring. Mm -hmm. And then I just love this verse in 816. And then the, um, and then they, they basically, her petition was to send out a, a counter proclamation, basically, that actually, instead of killing and banishing the Jews, they're going to banish and kill all of the people who are against the Jews. So anybody in Babylon who it doesn't support the well-being of the Jews is now the enemy and they're going to be killed. Yes. And the verse is like the, and then the Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. Eight sixteen. It's like, so oh my god, it's amazing. And then it's, and then they also go on to say, and the month turned from sorrow to joy. Like it, it feels was like such Lion a, King after Scar is killed, and like then Simba takes control again. Literally, it's like every story, every movie is using some type of technique that is in this story. And then, yeah, and also, like, Mordecai is now basically, like, in a position of power. Um, yeah. And then in, in Chapter 9, they're basically killing the people who were trying to kill the Jews. They kill Haman's family. 
Um, it's like so crazy. <laughs> like Heyman just got like completely fucked. Oh, um, like pwned to hell and back. Like he fucked around and he found out. Yeah. Like simply. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so satisfying too. It's like the you know the the like sick satisfaction of the villain getting punished. Like you're oh. really getting that here. Yes. Um, and it turns out, drum roll, of course, this is a famous holiday, Purim. Purim. Yeah. So what is poor though? I know. It, it was like in reference to the ring. I don't know what the word poor It was a bit is. confusing. Yeah. So, th- so basically the Purim is celebrating, I guess, this whole thing, or is it specifically about them killing the, the people who hate the Jews? I'm not sure, but this is like... It says, wherefore they called these days Purim after the name of Pur. And they like celebrate it to this day. And I like this part that it says, then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihail and Mordecai the Jew wrote with all authority to confirm the second letter of Purim. So she's like, you, she's like kind of writing it into existence, which is cool. It's like, as the queen, she's doing that. It's not just the king's sort of decree or it's not just his power that's contributing to the start of this holiday it's she's involved too yeah sorry i was looking up i was trying to figure out what poor is for purim because this becomes purim and the word poor is uh, it means lot it's an assyrian word meaning lot um which is referring to an object involved in a game or a ritual of chance so it's kind of like casting lots it's almost like throwing the dice or something like that. And um, it refers to like the way that Haman decided to put out the, what day to put out the decree that was against the Jews. It's a little bit confusing to me too, but he cast poor, that is lots in the way um, of choosing which day it would be. I'm a little confused, but. Me too. I really thought I was gonna get an answer and I only got more questions. Okay, there's a beeping. I'm sorry if you can hear it in the recording. It's outside. I have no control over it. Um, but we're almost done. So oh basically, God. that's the book of Esther. It, the last verse says, For Mordecai the Jew was next unto the king Ahasuerus, and great among the Jews, and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people, and speaking peace to all his seed. Love Mordecai. Is this I love Mordecai. Really bad. Um. It's not like really bad, but it's like, it sounds like a truck is backing up or something. It's, sorry about the beeping, you guys. It's yeah, out sorry. of our control. We're going to finish fast because I feel bad about the beep. Okay, so. Um, but anyway, we love Mordecai. We love Esther. I think the moral of this story is hot girls can do anything. That's true. That's a good moral. I think that that is the moral of Esther. I was really worried that it was going to be women be good to your husbands. Yeah, no, the and moral. And it turns out it's hot girls can do it's anything. It's getting louder. I know, what um, is that? Okay, the moral is hot girls can do anything. And also the moral is every girl is hot and can do whatever she wants. Yeah, I guess that's the other moral as well. Um, Although... Well, that's actually Esther, not. That's Esther not really... Was especially hot. Yeah, that's not really true in terms of the Bible. Okay, okay, so I think that Esther belongs after the book of Nehemiah before the book of Second Kings. Like our list is getting so long and unwieldy, but please. basically right now, all you need to know is- I kind of disagree. You disagree? Oh, wait. Oh my God, me too. I was like, this is where I sort of, 
this is the line for me between good and bad is Nehemiah and second Kings. So actually I think that Esther belongs probably after first Chronicles right now, the I mean, top, I think it's like close. It's one of the good ones. It's better than, I, Nehem- I think better it's than Nehemiah. Really high up for sure. Um, I'm really sorry. I ever, okay. Okay. Let's do it like this. Can we rank it higher than Genesis? No, no. Exodus. No. Right, the, judges is no, second. Judges is second. Judges, no. Exodus. No for me. No. But I think it may first chronicle. No. Yeah. No. Uh, I think it that's actually tough. That's hard. It's either after it's we could say it's better than first Samuel. That's I hard think too. So first Samuel, gay king. I know, but I I think from uh I would say after First Chronicles. I would too. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. It's just so, okay. I'll do it. Esther. So right now it goes like this, everyone. Number one, Genesis, holding strong. Judges, Exodus, First Chronicles. Esther, crack the top five. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. She booted First Samuel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I love that for her and I love that for us. And next week, I'm actually so excited because we're going to be talking about the book of Job, yeah. which I don't know anything about the book of Job except oh my God, for you... the Coen brothers movie, A Serious Man, is supposedly the book of Job. I've never seen that. It's the one about like, it's a Jewish man who keeps going to see this rabbi and his life keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Okay. Well, that definitely sounds like it's about Job. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's kind of all I know. I know the broad. I'm obsessed. I like the story of Job already from my memory. And also I am excited, little spoiler, we're gonna get some Satan coming through. <gasps> Shut up. Yes. I'm so excited. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh my God, yes, Satan's coming. Yeah. Okay, well, you guys, Satan's coming and we are so excited. Okay, we'll talk to you next time. Joe, okay. Satan, Peyton, Courtney. Oh my God, Peyton and Satan rhyme. I know. That's so cool. I know that from growing up as a Christian. (gasps) That's so cool. All right. Love you. Anyways, I love you. And I'll see you literally so soon. Bye, everybody. Bye.